Hi, this is David. Eating right is often hard these days, but eating better is easy with Factor's ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. Their meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Discover Factor's wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today we are going to revisit a Christmas reading from last year, an adaptation from the classic holiday book, The Feast of Saint Friend by Arnold Bennett, where the author discusses friendship and the timeless gift of goodwill. Children divide their adult acquaintances into two categories, those who sympathize with them in this bizarre and trying adventure called life, and those who don't. The second category is the much larger of the two. Very many people belong to it who think that they belong to the first. They may deceive themselves, but they cannot deceive a child. Although you may easily practice upon the credulity of a child in matters of fact, you cannot cheat their moral and social judgment. They will add you up, they will add anybody up, and estimate your conduct upon principles of their own, and in a manner terribly impartial. Parents have no sterner nor more discerning critics than their own children. And so, you may be polite to a child, and pretend to appreciate their point of view. But unless you really do put yourself to the trouble of understanding them, unless you throw yourself by the exercise of imagination into their world, you will not succeed in being their friend. To be their friend means an effort on your part. It means that you must divest yourself of your own mental habits and for the time being adopt theirs. No nice phrases, no gifts of money, candy, or toys can take the place of this effort and this sacrifice of self. With five minutes of genuine surrender to a child, you can win more of their esteem and gratitude than $500 would buy. Their notion of real goodwill is the imaginative sharing of their feelings, a convinced participation in their pains and pleasures. If you but honestly do this, you will be on their side, 
Now, adults, of course, are tremendously clever and accomplished people, and children are no match for them. But still, with all their talents and omniscience and power, adults seem to lack those important pieces of knowledge which children possess. They seem to have forgotten and failed to profit by their childhood experience. Else, why should adults in general be so extraordinarily ignorant of the great truth that the secret of goodwill lies in the sympathetic exercise of their imagination? Since goodwill is the secret of human happiness, it follows that the secret of goodwill must be one of the most precious aids to sensible living. And yet adults, though they once knew it, have gone and forgotten it. Children, therefore, may be well excused for concluding that the ways of the adult and their capricious irrationality are past finding this out. To increase your goodwill towards anyone, all that is necessary is to imagine that you are them. Nothing else is necessary. This feat is not easy, but it can be done. Some people have less of this divine faculty of imagination than others. But nobody is without it, and like all other faculties, it improves with use, just as it deteriorates with neglect. Imagination is a function of the brain. In order to cultivate goodwill for a person, you must think frequently about that person. You must try to learn about and imagine all of their activities. You must be able in your mind's eye to follow them hour by hour throughout the day. And you must ascertain whether they sleep well at night, because this is not a trifling matter. You must reflect upon their existence with the same partiality as you reflect upon your own. That is to say, you must lay the fullest stress on that person's difficulties, disappointments, and unhappiness. And you must minimize their good fortune, because we all tend to minimize our blessings. You must magnify their efforts toward doing good and forget their failures. You must ever remember that after all, they are not to blame for the faults of their character. For such faults as your own are due partly to heredity and partly to environment. And beyond everything you must always give them credit for good intentions. This mental exercise in relation to another person takes time and it involves a fatiguing effort. I repeat that it is not easy, nor is it invariably agreeable. You may indeed find it tedious, for example, to imagine in vivid detail all the worries that have brought about your wife's bad mood, your co-worker's negligence, a friend's dishonesty, or a parent's hypercriticism. But when you have faithfully done so, I absolutely defy you to speak to that person in the same tone as you used to, or to cultivate any resentment against them as you once did. And I absolutely defy you not to feel better towards yourself than in the past. It is impossible that this exercise of imagination about a person should not result in goodwill towards that person. The exercise may put a strain upon you, but its effect is a scientific certainty. It is indeed the supreme social exercise, for it is the giving of oneself in the most intimate and complete sense. It is the suspension of one's individuality in favor of another. It establishes a new attitude of mind which, 
though it may well lead to specific behavior, is more valuable than any specific action, for it is ceaselessly translating itself into your demeanor and character. There are various consequences of this social exercise which I have just outlined. A fairly early result will be the gradual decline and ultimately the death of the superior person in oneself. It is true that the superior person in oneself has nine lives and is capable of rising from the dead after even the most fatal blows. But at worst, the superior person, and who among us does not secretly harbor thoughts about our own superiority, will have a very poor time in the soul of those who steadily practice the art of understanding others. The mere exercise of using your imagination in this manner absolutely scotches egotism as long as it lasts and leaves it weakened afterwards. In addition, an improved comprehension of others, which means an intensified sympathy with them, destroys the illusion so widespread that one's own situation is unique. The amicable study of one's neighbors on this planet inevitably shows that the same troubles, the same fortitudes, the same feats of intelligence, the same successes and failures are constantly happening everywhere. It is only by sympathetically contemplating others that we can view ourselves from a true perspective. Yet the majority of human beings never do contemplate others, save with the abstracted gaze which proves that the gazer sees nothing but their own dream. Another result of this practice of imagination is an immensely increased interest in one's friends. One will begin to regard them with a sort of proprietary interest, for by imagination one has come into sympathetic possession of them. Further, one develops for them that tender feeling which always follows the conferring of a benefit, especially the secret conferring of a benefit. And the benefit which one has conferred is, of course, the gift of oneself. When the month of December dawns, there will be no sensation of weary apprehension about the difficulty of choosing a present that will suit a friend. Certainly it will not be necessary, from sheer indifference and ignorance, to invite a friend to choose their own present. On the contrary, one will be, in secret, so intimate with the friend's situation and wants and desires that a multitude of gift options will at once present themselves. And when they receive the present finally selected, that person will have the conviction, always flattering to the giver, that they have been the object of particular attention and insight. It will be the same when the holiday cards of greeting are dispatched, for you will be able to infuse your messages with a genuine meaning, as though you had written thereon in invisible ink, I have had you well in mind during the last twelve months. I think I understand your difficulties and appreciate your efforts better than I did. And so it is with a peculiar sympathetic knowledge that I wish you good luck. I have guessed what particular kind of good luck you require, and I wish it accordingly. My wish is not vague and perfunctory only. Then, on Christmas Day itself, one will feel that one really has something to celebrate. The festival becomes a public culmination of your daily practice of sympathizing with others. You will not be reminded by Christmas of goodwill, 
because the enterprise of imaginative sympathy has been your daily affair throughout the year. Christmas provides you with an opportunity to take satisfaction in the success of your enterprise and renew your enthusiasm to correct its failures. The symbolism of Christmas at the turn of the year thus will develop added meaning for you and all the Christmas customs, some of which produce annoyance among the unsentimental, will be accepted with indulgence, even with eagerness, because their symbolism is now shown in a clearer light. Christmas becomes as personal as a birthday. One eats and drinks to excess, not because it is the custom to eat and drink to excess, but from sheer effervescent faith in an idea. As we sit with our friends or family, embracing them in the privacy of our heart, permeated by a sympathetic understanding of our shared adventure on this planet hurling through space, and feeling reassured that companionship and mutual understanding alone make the adventure worthwhile. We see in a flash that Christmas, whatever else it may be, is and must be the Feast of Saint Friend, a day that stands supreme among the days of the year. The greatest consequence of our daily cultivation of goodwill now grows blindingly apparent. It is the augmentation of our own happiness. The increase of amity, the diminution of resentment and annoyance, the regular maintenance of an attitude mildly benevolent towards humankind, these things are the surest way to happiness. And it is because they are the surest way to happiness that the most enlightened people go after them. All real motives are selfish motives. Were it otherwise, humanity would be utterly different from what it is. A person may perform some act which benefits another while inflicting some striking injury to themselves, but their reason for doing it is that they prefer the pain of the injury to the deeper pain which would torment them if they did not perform the act. Nobody has yet sought the good of another, save as a means to their own good and it is in accordance with common sense that this should be so. There is, however, a lower egotism and a higher one. It is the latter which we call unselfishness, and it is the latter of which Christmas is the celebration. Let us then always bear in mind that Christmas, in addition to being the Feast of Saint Friend, is even more profoundly the Feast of One's Own Welfare. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 